I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to another episode of Research Uncensored. And the next move group, we are jobs podcast. So today we are doing a simulcast, which we typically do to start the year every year because we do a good bit of business together. And uh, Bruce always enjoy getting y'all's perspective to start the year. And this lets me know it's time to go do it again. 2022 is here. Yeah. Second annual simulcast. We're excited and really pumped to do this with you guys. And obviously an exciting time for next move group and research FDI. So uh, Chad, talk about some of your highlights of 2021. Well, we ended up growing about 40% this year, which is, uh, you know, I would have certainly taken that at the start of the year, given the COVID situation. And we grew about 30 to 40% last year. So if you look at the last two years, we're probably up close to 100%, you know, probably 80%. And so uh, our executive search business has really grown over the last year. We've done these things now from Washington to Florida just in the last year. We've got a big site selection project we're working on. Uh, a lot of our economic development products continues to grow. So really all segments of our business grew. But I think, you know, probably one of the things that's growing us is our executive searches. We're getting now not only into economic development searches, but other things that touch us. So we're doing a whole lot of chamber of commerce executive searches. We've done ports, airports, even schools. We're even doing a private sector search right now up in Kentucky for an accounting type person for an industry. So that all seems to really be growing us. So we're very, very happy about that. But 40% this year, but you know, the most intimidating day for the year for me every year is January the 1st, because I look at our books and it says zero sales and it scares me to death. That's always the most intimidating day of the year for us. So uh, what about y'all? What were your highlights of the year? You know, I really think uh, the development of our, our European team, you know, the pandemic really allowed, you know, for a lot of our team members to kind of move back to Europe. A lot of them were European from the UK, France, Spain. Before the pandemic, we were all in an office at 3,000 square feet in Montreal, 40 people crammed into an office. You can imagine that's kind of not uh, with the trends these days. But now a lot of our staff moved back to Europe. So it allowed us to kind of have staff on the ground in Europe. We also named a head of strategy 
Dr. Andre Schluter, who's grown the team. So we're also growing our strategy division, 40% not to copy you, we're also 40% in growth in the strategy division. So a lot of highlights was a great year. Obviously, it was also good getting back in market. You know, we were at IADC and we're just at, at Economics in Scottsdale. So really good seeing a lot of our clients in person. I know we're kind of in the heels of Omicron right now, but, you know, we think uh, it'll just be a blip and we'll be back at it. Well, I know you've got Amber Hunter on here with you. She was on here last year, but Gabby Mulise and Brandon Nettles on here from the Next Move team. We have just named them CEO and president. And so they're going to be doing some of our shows and podcasts. So Amber's a veteran. She hosts with you all the time, but this is Gabby and Brandon's first chance. So I wanted to introduce them because as we really get into this show, you may be hearing from them and wonder who in the world is that? So they're from the Next Move team. Yes, we are very excited. This is Gabby Molise here, the new CEO of Next Move Group. And yeah, I am going to be starting to do these podcasts with Chad and kind of taking over for him, doing our videos and everything for Next Move Group. So I'm very excited. And this is Brandon Nettles. I'm the new president of Next Move Group. Yeah, they asked me to join as just kind of an intro as kind of the new leadership of Next Move Group. So Gabby's going to kind of be our branding type person. She has a background in marketing and media, and she's very, very organized. So she's going to manage our staff. And then Brandon's going to be our chief strategist as far as growing our company. We've got a growth plan that we have in place. And then Brandon has a master's degree in economic development and a 4.0 in economics. And so he is going to be, you know, all of our economic development services. He's going to be highly involved in making sure our quality is good and be doing a lot of our site selection work as well. Wow, Brandon, very impressive. <laughs> this is Amber Hunter, Vice President of Business Development. I just thought I'd chime in on what Bruce mentioned, the growth of our strategy division. Yes, we've seen 40% in growth, but I don't even think that really captures sort of the growth that we've had since the pandemic. We were kind of working on average prior about two to five projects annually, and now we're doing around 15 to 20. I think it really shows that economic developers have gone back to sort of the thinking board and, and are redrafting their strategies, reevaluating their sector's focuses specifically for investment attraction and the fruits of that labor. While there's been sort of this downtime, if you will, in regards to travel being a little bit shifted, you know, a lot of U.S. has been able to travel domestically, but not to Europe, where a lot of their bulk of their time used to be spent and Asia. So they've really kind of hit home and reworked their strategies and their tools. And I think it's been great. Well, I know you all have been getting a win nearly every week, it seems like. So highlight some of the investment wins that your clients have won through y'all's efforts. I tell everybody, I think you're the best lead generation firm in the business. Every talk I give, I mean it sincerely. So talk about some of the success your clients are having through your hard work. Well, thanks for saying that, Chad. And this year, we truly felt like we were the best. It felt like every week there was another win coming through. And I felt the timelines were a lot shorter this year. I don't know if you guys saw that in some of your site selection processes, but the timelines of these wins were amazing. Usually these processes would take two, three years. This year we're seeing two, three, four months, unheard of timelines where a client would literally go to a roadshow, say in New York or Jersey, and then three, four months later, we get a press release. So it seems like when companies wanted to meet in person this year, they meant business. I think for the companies that wanted to meet in person that would actually do site visits in communities, I really think they were serious. And I felt the timelines of these projects were absolutely amazing. We did one roadshow for a, uh, a North Carolina entity, and I think we got two wins out of that roadshow alone. It was incredible. Ember, uh, could you perhaps highlight some of the uh, wins from the year that you've seen on your end? Yeah, you know, just to Bruce's point, I think that EDOs that were able to get on the road have definitely seen a lot of traction. But I do want to mention that because for the past, I mean, 24 months almost, a lot of our clients have been kind of beholden to having to do virtual trade shows or road shows rather. And what we've been calling that is they've been saying, okay, I want to focus particularly on a sector and I want to have my team. And then I'm going to do 
blanket two week window and just do all the meetings I can during that time and really prepare, you know, specifically for this sector, have the high level information, and then, you know, kind of cater the conversation to the profiles, the projects that they heard. And from that, around 80% of my clients, their wins have been from virtual leads initially. So it was really, you know, great to see that this new model that we had no choice but to kind of embrace and very quickly adapted within the industry has really proven results and has garnered not just major manufacturing jobs, but also, you know, high level AI, robotic, fintech type, you know, R&D projects as well. So that's been great to see. You know, it's funny you say that. And I think we actually talked about this last year. So Alex Metzger, who's on our team, not on here today. He had said for years we were traveling too much. He embraced Zoom. He had heard of Zoom before the pandemic, and most people only heard of it after the pandemic, but he was always trying to get us to do these virtual meetings. And I'm not sure we just announced Gabby and Brandon as our new CEO and president. I'm not sure we'd have been in a position to do that without virtual meetings because I used to would go do all the sales and I would do it all through doing the virtual meetings. You know, we've had our two best years ever, and pretty much all of that's either been started by virtual or closed. And so not only have we been successful, and I saw Alex was right, but it also has allowed Gabby and Brandon to be involved in these processes that they might not have been otherwise, because, you know, I'd have been running out to Texas or Alabama or wherever we need to go. So I really think that this is here to stay. I know Omicron is here now as people are listening to this, so we're not even past the COVID yet. But do y'all think that this is here to stay? How do you think travel will change when it comes to business? Oh, great question. Uh, you know, I really think that the next 60 to 90 days, I think we might see a bit of a bit of a lull. I think some economic developers might shy away from international travel. I really believe U.S. domestic travel will stay on. I think you guys are stubborn. You guys will stick with it. And, you know, you guys are a freedom loving people. You guys will keep traveling domestically, and that's going to be great for investment inward. I think it might be challenging for U.S. EDOs to travel to Canada as, you know, we're about to enter an Omicron lockdown. I think Europe, many nations in Europe are entering lockdown. So it's going to be very challenging for economic developers to travel in market. I think a lot of trade shows in Europe and Canada will be postponed. I even think some in the U.S. will be postponed. So I think the next 60 to 90 days, unfortunately, we'll see this Omicron wave really wipe out some of these travel. That being said, I hope our next move event will take place in New Orleans. Chad, any update on that? Yes, yes. So we're having Mardi Gras, uh, I believe, February 23rd and 24th. And we'll work Gabby in here because she's actually getting it all planned for us. But yesterday, the mayor of New Orleans tweeted that Mardi Gras was on. It was official that uh, even with the Omicron, we were having Mardi Gras. And so uh, as of now, as of the day of recording this, then uh, Mardi Gras is on. So Gabby, why don't you give a little highlight of that? And Bruce, I know that Research FDI is a sponsor of it. So thank you very much for your sponsorship. We look forward to hosting y'all. Gabby, why don't you give an overview of it? Yes, yes. We're very excited. The mayor officially announced that Mardi Gras will be happening in 2022. So Everyone that has signed up to come to our Mardi Gras event, you know that that will be happening. And if you are hesitant because of COVID, know that it will be happening so you can buy those tickets now. And then I know we're going to have a New Year's sale, so be on the lookout for that one. We're really excited. We have a site selector panel coming. We have people coming to speak about housing. So we're really excited about everything and everyone that's coming. So y'all should come down and come see it. Yeah, one of the panels is on the Ford project in West Tennessee. You know, Ford's building those two electric vehicle-related plants in Tennessee and Kentucky. And I don't know if y'all are seeing activity in this space, but our phone has rung off the hook from people related to the whole electric vehicle industry, not just the battery manufacturer, but the uh, charging station. I mean, our phone has been ringing off the hook with these type of companies. And so I think that's one of the emerging trends that I foresee 
And Brandon on our new show always goes over the wins that economic developers are having. And would you say you've seen an uptick in those, Brandon? Oh, yeah, I do the announcements every two weeks or so. And I would say every single time there's three to five, something related to electric vehicle or battery or just all in that kind of space. I see them every two weeks, pretty much. So that's certainly an emerging trend we see. Do you see any, Bruce? Yeah, absolutely. I think we see five or 10 opportunities a week. I think economic developers are targeting these opportunities. You know, countries like Canada have made a plan to eliminate traditional vehicles and move completely towards electric vehicles by 2030, 2035. So it's absolutely a trend. A lot of communities being very aggressive. You know, look at Ontario, Michigan, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, as you mentioned. A lot of communities and states are being very aggressive and will continue to probably see many, many projects over the years, over the next couple of years. And I think it's just, we're just beginning to see a lot of project activity. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, certainly, I guess, back to Mardi Gras. Normally, I'd be traveling with uh, Amber. She'd be my tag team partner down to that event. However, she won't be able to make it this year because we have an exciting announcement to share with the next move and research at the I audience right now. Yes, breaking news. I'm expecting a little baby girl in the first week of April. So I will be sitting this one out, unfortunately, but I'll be there in spirit. And yeah, I can't wait to get back on the road come next fall. But it's an exciting time for us throughout all the madness of the coronavirus. There's a little bit of joy. So it's great. I'm happy to announce to all my clients who've been super supportive during the process. Well, congratulations. Yeah, and congratulations. I have to concur. I have to concur. You're making the right decision. I wouldn't come to Mardi Gras <laughs> eight months pregnant. <laughs> I'd never leave. I'd give birth in New Orleans, I think. Yeah, I think you're making a good decision. And speaking of Mardi Gras, for your listeners and ours, if you want to sign up, do it in a hurry. Because right now we have over 100 already signed up. And our room will only fit 250, the room that we have secured for the conference. And, uh, you know, with COVID restrictions and whatnot. And we're also running out of hotel rooms at the main conference hotel. Now, New Orleans has lots of hotels. You can certainly find a hotel room in New Orleans, but you might not be at the conference hotel. So if you're on our list or the Research FDI list and you see these emails all through January, be sure to, you know, we'd love for you to sign up in February, but be sure you sign up as fast as you can because we will have some type of restriction and cap on our top number based on the room and COVID restrictions and so forth. Yeah, I look forward to speaking to that event with Chuck Sexton to talk about lead generation and business intelligence. And uh, we'll talk about the dad score uh, in East Kentucky uh, win from a couple of years ago. So we look forward to talking about that and seeing all the great people attending this event. So we're pumped about going into the next move Mardi Gras event. And I think all of you guys should come too. We probably have already as many signed up almost as came last time. And last time we thought was very successful. And so I think we probably end up having about double which we didn't really know what to expect with COVID travel, you know. But we've had people literally say, I'm bringing my whole staff of five. I mean, literally, we've had an economic development organization bringing their whole staff. And we've got city council members in Colorado who have signed up, lots of economic developers. So it should be a good turnout. We've got a great site selectors panel, the housing panel that Gabby mentioned. It's something in the States that we're hearing all the time. But small to mid-sized towns are really struggling with sort of middle income level housing. Seems like they all have housing for the rich people and the poor people, but not the middle income blue collar worker. They're all struggling with that. So we're actually going to have a panel on that that I think will be good. And we're going to have uh, two receptions this year, one overlooking the crew of Muses Parade. And we got a balcony. So if uh, it gets cold or rainy, we can go in. And Gabby's orders lots of New Orleans food. So if you like New Orleans type food, you're going to get it. And then the night before, we're going to have a reception in the French Quarter with a band and so forth so that people can hang out with the site selectors. Last time we did this, we only had one reception. So not only have we grown the uh, attendees list, we have actually grown the event. So I think it'll be a good time for all. 
yeah, we're excited to be hosting uh, that event. And last year I got 20 beads. Hopefully this year I can get 30. And, you know, I'll work on my Mardi Gras game a little bit. Yeah, maybe you can catch a shoe. Gabby is a native of New Orleans, whereas Brandon and I are transplants. So she can give you some of the Mardi Gras tradition. Why don't you tell them about the parade we'll be going to, Gabby? Yeah, so Muses is one of my favorites. It's an all-female parade. So any of the crew, it's all females. Some of them are mixed. Some of them are all male crews also. But the main thing to catch is a shoe. So, I mean, the crew... Like the people who ride on the parades, they work for months and months and months creating these shoes. They're all fancy. It's a big win if you catch a shoe and people use them as their Mardi Gras decorations around their house. I know I have some at my house just from catching them over the years. So it's really exciting if you catch that shoe. Oh, yeah. People get them framed and everything. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Lisa Franklin with Evergy caught a shoe and I walked into her office in Kansas City not long ago. Here it said, I feel like I was back in New Orleans. You know, it's funny. (laughs) Alex, first Mardi Gras, he caught a shoe. I still never caught one. All these years later, I, <laughs> I have never caught, caught one. I've caught one yet. Only by my friends that have been in the parades have I caught one just because, you know, they throw it to you. It's funny. In, the, in some Middle Eastern countries, if someone throws a shoe at you, it's actually the biggest insult you could do to someone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I mean, these things are poke you in the eye. But so last time, one of the riders, actually, is a friend of ours, gave us a shoe to give away at our event. So she probably will again. I hadn't asked her yet, but one of the crew members actually gave us a shoot. They decorate these things with pearls and all. They work all year on it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just a you know a dollar high heel shoe you're going to get at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely it's one of my favorite ones. All that being said, you know, you asked us earlier, you know, what do we believe is going to happen with trade events, travel? What's your perspective on what's going to happen now on the heels of Omicron and next few months? What do you guys think is going to happen? What is your prediction uh, with business travel? I will tell you, though, I have been on a lot of airplanes since October. And every single one is full. And just yesterday, I flew Vegas to St. Louis, full, not a seat on it. And let's see, I must have flew New Orleans to Vegas last Thursday, Friday, full, not one seat on it. I've been to Denver, and I've been everywhere in the last few months, and every flight is full. So I think people are going to get back to travel. You know, I think Omicron, I just had COVID, and I had both my shots. I had not had a booster, but I had both my shots, and now have had COVID. I think for the people catching it who've had two shots plus the booster and the COVID, I think it's going to be very hard to keep them home. They're just going to feel like, what more can I do? I'm not sure business travel will be back to where it was before, but I bet you we're going to get back to 70 to 80% of it. I have already committed to two speaking engagements in January. And last January, I didn't speak anywhere. I'm speaking in West Virginia in January and in Virginia at two different speaking deals, you know, just right out of the bat. And our Mardi Gras, we've already sold more tickets than we would have thought. So my prediction is we're actually going to get very much back close to normal unless somehow COVID gets more powerful, but it looks like this Omicron is less powerful. So unless something like that happens, I think we're going to be getting back to normal. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, for Q1, most of the major events in Europe might likely be postponed, unfortunately. I think in the U.S. we're not going to see too much disruption unless, you know, these events are supposed to be in the New York and the California states where we, they're historically a little more strict. Canada, of course, is going to be the same. I think we're one of the most strictest Western countries. So I think Q1. But then coming back to Q2, Q3, I think we're really going to rebound. You know, a lot, especially in this industry, they know exactly what you need to do to get back in front of businesses, be transparent about vaccination, to get into these companies that have corporate policies that you just want to kind of bulldoze through so you can have these appointments. And I've seen economic developers just be really ready to face that task and keep their pipeline strong. And I think we're just going to continue to see that momentum as we just emerge from this Omicron. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. 
I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. Speaking of Europe, I know, Bruce, you mentioned that y'all had added some new employees in Europe. Could you kind of talk about your team there and just what plans you may have for expanding your global presence? Well, Brandon, thank you for the question. So as I mentioned previously, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of our employees that work with us in Montreal moving, either moving back to Europe or, you know, deciding to make Europe their final destination where they want to live. So we have someone full-time in France. We have someone full-time in the UK, Spain, the Netherlands, Germany, Italy. So it really gives us an advantage for time when we're doing lead generation, have time zone considerations, also with COVID restrictions, having our employees being able to do business development for our clients or for us, having them on the ground in Europe has been very good. We're gonna also break some news. Well, first, but well, we're fortunate enough to break Amber's pregnancy a few moments ago. And we're also gonna break some news on this podcast as we always do this time of year, it's first of the year. We're also gonna announce live right now that we're gonna be opening up an office in Dubai starting in January. So we're gonna to look to grow our Middle East presence. So we've named a new director, his name is Abdullah Jensen. He's going to represent our interests in the Middle East and Dubai. So we're super excited that we're going to have a full-time presence in Dubai. So we're really excited about 2022. What about you guys? You mentioned 40% growth last year. What are your plans to grow from that? Gabby, Brandon, as the next move moves into your leadership, what are your plans for growth next year? Well, one of the things we're excited about is our virtual buildings that we put out. We recently had like three or four we sold pretty frequently just in the last few months. And one of them has already gotten a deal out of it. So we're really excited about that. We're going to be pushing those again at the beginning of the year. So yeah, I would say virtual buildings is one of the things we're real excited about. Mm -hmm. Definitely virtual buildings. And then we have a lot of executive searches coming down the pipeline. I think we won about six recently. You know, we've basically signed clients from all the way to Florida to Washington State. And, you know, we have different chambers, municipalities. We have some private sector clients that we're working to do executive search for. So we're really excited about those. We already have six in January. I mean, who knows how many we're going to have in the next months after that. So that's definitely something that we're excited about for sure. Yeah. And it seems like we have two more verbals now. And that's actually one of the reasons, Bruce and Amber, that Alex and I decided to make this move now as far as promoting Gabby and Brandon and us becoming a little bit more passive within the business. Of the six executive searches we just signed, I don't think he and I were involved in the sales process other than maybe one or two. I mean, so, I mean, we now have built a machine-like approach, which is what we've been trying to do for years, and it's actually been producing for us. And so we now have a way to replicate that success. And this year, our real growth were in chambers. So, you know, 
we've been doing economic development searches for a long time. Well, a lot of these towns have chambers and economic development. Some of them are combined, but many of them have both organizations. Well, I got my start in the chamber world. I didn't get my start in economic development. My first job was working for the Mobile Alabama Chamber as a project manager. So I came up through the chamber world. I ran a chamber in Tennessee. Why in the world? I didn't think about doing chamber searches before this year. I don't know. Somebody should hit me over the head for being stupid. But anyway, a chamber hired us. And I was like, gosh, we should be doing chamber searches. That's how I cut my teeth. I actually cut my teeth in the chamber world, not economic development. So we added those. And now, I guess as we speak, according to when this airs, we're finishing one in Washington. We're doing one in Maryland. That's very much a tourism related. We've done chambers in Texas, Florida. So, I mean, that almost can double our business when it comes to just the executive search side of the places which have chambers and economic development organizations. Yeah, we did a very interesting session at IDC with Alex, Danielle Casey, Ryan Kolb, talking about, and Shannon Landauer as well, talking about the next move executive search process, some of the successful, unsuccessful ones. And we had a pretty packed house considering it was the last session of like a Tuesday afternoon, kind of near the end of the session. I think people were kind of tired and also uh, COVID restrictions. So we had a nice turnout of about 80 to 100 people and going through the next move executive search process and what to do, what not to do. Chad, how have your clients reacted to kind of you and Alex stepping back from the business? Have you got any pushback on that or any words of encouragement? Uh, what kind of feedback have you gotten on that? I wouldn't say pushback. Few people have said, you know, do y'all have a strategy? You know, why are y'all doing this now? One person said, are y'all not making money? And I said, no, this is our best year ever by 40%. So we started this plan in 2017. So, you know, we started it back then. Goldman Sachs, I think I've mentioned to you before, picked us for a small business accelerator program. They call it the 10,000 small businesses. And on day one of the program, I was the one doing it. And at the time, there were only, you know, three in our company, Alex, myself, and John Sisson. And on day one, they made us write in an envelope what was our exit strategy. Because the whole point of their program is for entrepreneurs to build successful businesses. And then, you know, typically entrepreneur builds a business to sell it. And they have a wealth transaction and everybody wins, you know. Well, we really didn't feel like we could do that. And so what we decided our exit strategy was, was to hire people who were smart and aggressive that we could train from the bottom up that could one day run our business. So we could sort of step out. And so Brandon was our first hire along that way. He then found Gabby for us. And so a year and a half ago, it was just the four of us plus John. And this past year, we actually have hired infrastructure. We hired Brittany McCoy as our vice president. He's basically our recruiter now. She does all the recruiting for these searches. And in the old days, we were all recruiting. Well, now with her having to focus, she talks to candidates and they may tell her, Hey, I'm not interested in there, but when you get one in Texas, call me. So we now have a database of people, you know. We hired Caroline Feud to do website work for us and marketing. She's doing a great job for us. We hired Eddie Spraggs to be our chief salesperson. In the past, I was our salesperson. We hired Eddie in July, and I knew it would take him a month or two to get his pipeline full. I'd say about September, once he got it full, he's one of six to 10 deals. I mean, you know, somewhere in there. So we're very, very happy with that. We hired Allison Knapp in St. Louis to be our operations manager. So she's now handling the books and accounting and all that kind of stuff. So not only are we promoting Gabby and Brandon, we have hired the infrastructure to support them. If we just threw them out there, I'm not sure they could do it without the infrastructure we've hired. But all they've got to do now is manage the staff and make sure everybody's doing their job. So, you know, we have something called the movement, which is our VIP members, economic developers have joined, where we put out content every week for them. So I'm going to continue doing that. There are VIP members. They pay us a monthly fee. 
So we didn't want them to feel like we were, you know, passing them off or whatever. So I'm going to continue being the face for them and doing all of their content. Alex is going to continue managing our executive searches, the quality control. He had been doing that anyway for the last year. So we're still going to be involved in the business. But other than that, we'll be out of it. Gabby will be doing our branding, marketing, and managing our staff. And Brandon will be really in charge of the overall strategy. And so uh, we really hadn't had much pushback. I thought I was going to get pushback from my mother. That's who I thought I was going to get pushback from. Because when I quit my job in Kentucky to start next move, she literally fainted. And uh, I thought, Lord, if I tell her now, I'm quitting the own company I started, what's she going to say? But I told her, and she took it well. In my hometown, I'm raising a very rural town, a thousand people. And the richest guy in town owns a fish house, a fried catfish house, which is popular in the South. His name is Donald Ray. When I told her, she said, well, I think that's good. She said, you know, I've never seen Donald Ray back there frying the fish. <laughs> so, so she took it, she took it pretty, she took it pretty well. But uh, the way I put it in the past, I have kind of been Jerry Jones, the head coach and the quarterback. I mean, I've kind of had to play all three roles. And, uh, and I know Jerry Jones is a horrible analysis because he's a terrible owner, but he's the one everybody knows. <laughs> and so now the way I foresee it, I'm going to kind of be Jerry Jones. Gabby going to be our head coach, and Brandon's going to be our quarterback. That's kind of the way we're doing it. And any existing clients, you know, we're going to make sure that they get serviced well. We're doing a big site selection project right now that I can't walk away from. But when it comes to every week, the shows, all of that, then we're going to be stepping out of that. And honestly, I have not worked in our executive searches in about a year, honestly, other than the sales side of it. So that part's going to run seamlessly because it already is. And I think Brandon would tell you on our economic development projects we do, like labor studies and so forth, he's been doing 95% of them without me. And he's now got people under him. So all that should go pretty smooth. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Hello, everyone. Gabby Molise here to highlight this week's Executive Search Spotlight. This week, we are going to spotlight the Burke County, Georgia Development Corporation as they are seeking a new executive director. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Burke County is located along the eastern border of Georgia in the Coastal Plain region. Burke County is part of the Augusta, Georgia, MSA and borders South Carolina and was one of the eight original counties of Georgia. As Georgia's second largest county by land, there are plenty of attractive sites ready-made for business. The role of the Development Authority of Burke County is to promote, develop, and advance the economic growth in Burke County. So to learn more, you can visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Burke or contact Brittany McCoy with the Next Move Group with any questions. Well, Gamby and Brandon be more of a Jimmy Johnson or more of a Jason Garrett? What do you think? Well, uh, they better be Jimmy Johnson. So I'm expecting Gabby to be Jimmy Johnson and Brandon can be Troy Aikman and we'll all be doing real well. We'll take it. But, you know, Jerry ran Jimmy off, so I got to make sure I don't run him off now. Uh, <laughs> Bruce is always giving me football analogies for strategy and I never know what he's talking about. Same. <laughs> but, uh, but I appreciate the passion. A great case study for just organic growth. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think it's worth noting because we were talking about some of the uptick we've seen in projects over the past year. And as we all know, you know, 2020 saw about a 40% decline in foreign direct investment. So it was kind of hard hitting for 
a lot of our clients who had a, invested a lot of time in, you know, international prospecting, but we see now that that recovery has really been on the uptick. And we think what the numbers come out from 2021, we're going to be impressed, but it also looks like 2022 is going to see a pretty significant recovery, uh, you know, in the U S in middle East in South America, Asia, and Europe. So that's, you know, kind of the reasons we've been growing our, you know, middle Eastern and European growth. <clears throat> so we expect by 2022, hopefully in Q2, Q3, Q4, there's going to be a huge increase in investment attraction programs hitting up those markets. And what we sort of been seeing on our side is that the sectors that are really going to help with the rebound with FDI, it's going to be ICT, sustainability, green energy, you know, consumer goods, manufacturing, infrastructure. So that's really what's kind of the driving force behind it. And unfortunately, we do see extractives with fossil fuels and airlines still being hard hit. So we're going to have to hopefully see some recovery for that, if anything, into 2023 or continuous decline. So it's an interesting topic to have looking at international markets, but definitely it's the time now, if you've been focusing domestic, to really revamp your FDI strategy and really start thinking about an implementation plan for you know business recruitment. I totally agree. As I think about our company, so uh, the big site selection project we're doing right now is Brazilian. We've got an Asian company that we think we're about to sign, hopefully around the new year. We're at third base with them. Our phone has been ringing off the hook with companies in the electric vehicle space, as I mentioned earlier, but those have all been international. I mean, one from Australia, seemed like there was one from Italy, another one from Europe. I can't remember where right now. And I guess my point is nearly all of our site selection activity right now that we're involved with is international looking to come into the U.S. Not only the companies we're representing, but those that we're competing for. And I mean, I'd say 80 percent of them are international. So I think that is very smart advice. And I think certainly opening an office in Dubai is smart. I did not know you were doing that until you announced it here. I have a friend in Dubai I was talking to the other day. He said they're not having any supply chain issues, you know, and I don't know how much y'all are having in the Canada, but in the States. At times, it's not nearly as bad as at first, but there are times you'll go to the store and they won't have what you're looking for with this supply chain problem. He said they're not having any of those problems in Dubai whatsoever. I think you opening the office there at this time is probably very, very smart. It's very exciting that we're doing that. You know, we're looking to work with many free zones within Dubai. Uh, we're looking at, at working with, you know, with many nations in the Middle East. We're very excited about it to help promote FDI between the, the Middle East and North America and Europe. So we're very excited about this opportunity to create the office with Abdullah. Abdullah has a great diplomatic background. Uh, he's worked with various embassies. He started a company called Global Emirates. So we're looking forward to partnering with his team and him establishing the office for us. So we're really excited about the opportunity to work with him. Absolutely. And just to touch on, you know, your mention of the supply chain disruption, I think, you know, I'm based in Vancouver in West Coast, Canada, and we are a hit and in the midst of a major supply chain disruption brought on by the pandemic, but also by natural disasters and rail breakdown and so on and so forth. I mean, the list goes on, you know, most of the ports are still behind by a few months now getting these products out. I know that there's a lot of talk about reshoring, but it seems to me that this might be the year, especially 2022 and 23, where we're going to see Mexico have a lot, capture a lot of reshoring opportunities. I think this is going to be really their moment to grow. And I'm interested to see how that all plays out because they have the infrastructure and they have the talent. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yep. I would totally agree with that as well. Well, as we start to wind down, are there any other services or programs y'all expect to boost in 2022 that we hadn't talked about? Obviously, FDI 365 has been revamped over the years, so we're really excited about continuing with the FDI 365 program. 
we anticipate more work in our strategy division, benchmarking, value propositions, FDI strategies, as Amber alluded to before. And of course, uh, traditionally lead generation and whether it be virtually or back in person, whenever Omicron leads us. So we're excited about that. And what about you guys? I know we talked about executive searches. What executive searches do you have going on and what's on tap for 2022? Well, we have many executive searches. I mean, we're doing, say we have one in Texas. We have few in Kansas, some coming up in Kentucky down the pipeline. Currently, I know we're going to start one again in Ohio. I know a lot of the clients that we're starting were really excited because many of them, they actually try to do the executive searches, you know, on their own for their rural communities. And then we kind of, then they've had us take over and then we've been able to find them someone really great. And then we're finding that's a pattern that we're seeing a lot for executive searches in the future. So, yep, we're very excited about all those. So we have many coming out basically just all around the country right now. Yeah, and that's growing for us because, you know, every time we do a new geography, it opens us up there. So it's almost like we get a double win because we're opening up new geographies and we're now doing the chambers and the economic development. So, I mean, I just think there's huge growth potential in that aspect for all of those. And the process we have built, again, it doesn't depend on Alex or I, which is why we think we can exit at this time. We have really built a machine that does this recruiting. Everybody on our team knows what to do. They know what their job is and we can replicate it. I mean, we can replicate it for other type industries. As I mentioned right now in Kentucky, we're actually looking for an accountant for a private manufacturing company. We helped them previously find a warehouse manager. So they've been happy with us and we can replicate our process for that. I mean, we basically can replicate if anything you're looking for based on the way we now do our recruiting. And so that's something we're very, very happy about. And we don't have to be as hands-on because everybody has their role. So we think we can just continue to replicate that and that'll fuel our growth. And then we're seeing pretty good activity on the site selection side. And so that now I always tell people, we only, you know, probably do two or three site selection projects a year. And, you know, some of them won't land for two years, but it ends up being 30 to 40% of our revenue because you just make more money from those than you do these other projects. And so looking at our deal flow, we should be able to close one of those and announce a few of those pretty soon, which typically creates other opportunities. No doubt. And uh, Gabby and Brandon, as you get comfortable in your new roles, uh, please feel free to reach out to myself or anyone at Research FDI. We're aware of all the young talents. We work with everybody. So reach out to us. We know all the great guys to work with. And if you need any tips on executive searches, who to look forward for interviews, feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. Thank you. One of the things I like about Gabby and Brandon in these roles, they learn the business from the ground up. I mean, you know, instead of going to hiring a CEO to come in, it really didn't. I mean, they have learned this from the ground up. I mean, they've been there on the days when we were like, we got to find a candidate for this town. What are we going to do? We're all going to call 100 Hey, I mean, they have seen it from the ground up. And you asked, you know, how's people's reaction been? One of the things I've told people, I got hired in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee to run their chamber of commerce when I was 25. And I was the CEO and they paid me $100,000 at that young of an age. And then when I was 28, Paducah, Kentucky hired me, paid me a whole lot of money. And so I believe in the young people. I mean, their age to me is a plus. We won't give away their age. You can't ask a lady anyway. They're not quite as young as I was in Lawrenceburg. You have more energy then. I'm 40 now. And I know that doesn't, you know, you still, you still think of yourself as a young person, but the energy you have at their age, I think that's the way to go. And I've lived it. I probably have more confidence in them than even they did. Well, one last football metaphor, Sean McVay. You guys, Sean McVay of Next Move Group. Let's go with that. There you go, Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. That's not bad. I'll take that. (laughs) I'm really looking for Sean Payton and Drew Brees. 
Yeah, I guess I should have had a more topical reference, but yeah, you, know, if, you, know, if, you know what we're getting at. If Gabby can be Sean Payton and Brandon be Drew Brees, I will happily be Gail Benson, and we'll be very happy. <laughs> You kind of remind me of Gail Benson in a lot of ways, so it's not too far off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably more like her husband who died, Tom, but I'll be Gail. That'll work for me. <laughs> Whatever pays the bills, man. Yeah. I read some books on Tom Benson. I have a little him in me. So that's probably, yeah, I'm Tom Benson, and this here is Sean Payton and Drew Brady. And we got to go win the Super Bowl in Miami. Well, I think comparing you to Gail Benson is a good time to wrap up the podcast. <laughs> now, when everybody sees Gail Benson, they'll think of me. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much and appreciate the simulcast and everybody come down to our Mardi Gras. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye.